Hi, friends. Welcome to the Gutsy Faith Podcast. My name is Gary. And my name is Carla, and we are so excited that you're joining us today. Think about us as your personal faith coaches. Maybe you're strong in your faith, or maybe you don't even really know what faith is. We'll walk with you through how to discover your faith, how to grow your faith, and how to live a life of gutsy faith. That's right. And now is your time to go deeper and live braver. Let's check out today's episode. Hey, friends, welcome to episode two of Gutsy Faith. We're so happy you're with us today. That's right. We made it. We're at episode two. (laughs) That is fantastic. So amazing. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. And, you know, Gary, today we're going to be talking about something, and this is just my personal opinion, but what I really believe is the number one destroyer of purpose, and that is comparison. And I find myself getting caught in the comparison trap so many times. And if we're not careful, we can allow comparison without even knowing it to creep into so many areas of our life. And comparison does a couple things. A lot of times, like I said, without us even really realizing it, but I think the first thing that comparison does is that comparison will consistently kill contentment. You know, Theodore Roosevelt, he said this, he said that comparison is the thief of joy. And it's so true. Comparison, it will kill your joy. It will steal your peace. And honestly, it will suffocate your sanity. You know, I I know for so many times there's been moments where I've been having a great day. All is well. You know, it's been an awesome day. And I pick up my phone and I open my little Instagram app and I just start scrolling and You know, I see my friend that just finished a workout and she has a six pack and, you know, (laughs) she she just had a vegan kale smoothie. And, you know, I was feeling pretty good about my life until I just saw that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or you're scrolling and maybe you're single and you see another friend and another engagement and another engagement hashtag, you know, and you thought the ring The last ring of the friend that you saw on social media, the ring couldn't get any bigger. And this one is even bigger. It's bigger than your head, you know? (laughs) And you're over here. You haven't been asked out on a date in years. You're wondering, dear God, am I going to die alone with 27 cats? What is going to (laughs) happen? You know, or maybe you're a mom and, and, you know, you have a four-year-old and your friend just posted a picture of her one-and-a-half-year-old that's fully potty trained. And you're like, dear God, I'm a failure as a mother. Right. And I just, I, for me, I get caught so many times in this, this comparison trap because, I mean, you never see somebody posting a failure on their Instagram. It's all about successes, you know, and, and so many times it's so easy just for us, for me, at least I know to, to compare my behind the scenes reality with somebody else's highlight reel. Right. That's right. I told one of my daughters, Allie, I told her, I am so glad that I raised children pre-social media, honestly, because when we were uh, holding one of her little lambs when she was young, she showed me the picture of this little mama that had made Mickey Mouse-shaped pancakes for her children for breakfast, and they looked perfect, and everything was awesome. And I thought to myself, I was just happy when children had clothing 
and shoes on. On the right feet. On the right, right feet, no blood, <laughs> and out the door you go. I mean, Mickey Mouse pancakes. Seriously, that is crazy. That's amazing. And not only <laughs> it, does it instill a, a sense of comparison, but that competition too, which can be right. so rough. I'll tell right. you, Carla, I think that comparison will consistently cloud the clarity of God's call in my life. Wow. I really do. I think it will consistently cloud that clarity. And yeah. often people say to me, well, Gary, I don't get that whole God's call on my life thing. You know, what is that? What, what does it mean to have a call on your life? What does God's call mean? And I, before I say anything else about comparison, I really just want our, our friends, our listeners to understand that the call of God is know me, not show me. Wow. The call of God is know me. It's as simple as that. It's not something we have to be out there doing and showing everybody, posting about. The call of God is know me, not show me. But comparison, I think, just keeps our eyes on the image of what we or other people are doing. Right. You know? And so a true call is about becoming, not doing. And so for me, the whole issue with comparison can just start to take a bad turn. And you know what? You might think only younger people, perhaps of your own age, struggle with this. Guess what? Even women my age, even women that have had you know successful lives by all measures of, of the world's measure, um, have still come up against the wall of comparison. And I know all I ever wanted to do was write books. That's all I ever wanted to do when I was... 20 years old, I knew I wanted to write books, and it took me 21 years (laughs) to get my first book deal. Wow. And in the midst of that, you know, I was writing for magazines and had my column in in a little newspaper, did everything I could to get a byline. But when I got um, actually my second book deal, I have never felt such pressure and such disappointment in myself because they kept comparing me to two powerful authors that have been in the in the mainstream of best-selling books for 20 years and kept saying to me, we want you to be the next so-and-so. Wow. I cannot tell you how many times I heard that. I can't tell you how many times I tried to be that until finally I lost part of that book deal and wallowed in such a wound mm. because I felt like I never, I didn't measure up. I never made it. I never made it to that caliber of that person there were all these expectations on you that you were trying to live up to that's right but that wasn't you you weren't so and so that's right and nobody is built to compare themselves to somebody else we're not meant to do that god never designed us like that right it's actually a really dangerous road that's so true yeah and you know i think if if we don't deal with comparison there's there's some toxic things that it can lead to and I think to really dive into this, we, we have to do kind of a mini case study on the life of Saul and David in the Old Testament. Right. Yeah. I love this story of David and Goliath. And I know you and I were talking about it, um, Carla. It is so powerful. And maybe you've heard heard it or said, oh, yeah, I know that story. Listen, you're about to hear some new things with That's this story. Right. Honestly, I am floored at what I've learned about this story and I'm looking in 1 Samuel, 
If you're a Bible girl or man, we love that. And you want to know where we are? We're in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 33. And the Bible simply says this. David was actually going out to bring some, some snacks, actually. He was bringing some cheeses, some breads, some fruit to his brothers who some were on the battlefield. Some goldfish, some Cheez-Its, I mean, whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, just a whole little basket full, a little picnic. And, you know, the story is that David was too young to go to battle. And his father sent him out to bring some snacks to his older brothers who were old enough to be a part of the battle. And as David comes up to the battlefield, he sees this giant, as, as the Bible calls him, this man named Goliath, nine feet tall, just a monster of a man, a Philistine, standing there taunting the army of God. And by that, it means he was teasing them, you know, just like, come at like, me, bruh. That's right. <laughs> the words, man, just like sparring with yeah. his words. Yeah. And so when David gets there and King Saul is the leader of this this army, the army of the Israelites, David really just looks up at Saul and says, who is this one that's taunting the Lord's army? And David actually courageously says that he wants to take this giant Goliath on. Nothing between me and you, but air and opportunity. You feel a froggy jump. <laughs> I, mean, I, I wouldn't have been a good David. I would have been. <laughs> no, no. I, I honestly feel like Saul was stunned by David's words. And here's what he says. This is his exact quote to David. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for you're but a youth. Why have you thought that you could come against this warrior when this man has been fighting battles since he was young? Wow. And so it's so interesting that Saul says two things. You're not able to go against that Philistine, you are but mm. a youth. You are not able, you are only, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and let, me, let me tell you something fascinating. You may not have ever heard this. I love the research around this, uh, this, this story. You know, it's thought that the Philistines actually had a pituitary gland problem, a pituitary gland, excuse my language there, <laughs> problem. Yeah kind of like a thyroid issue that made them grow really large. And because of this issue, their eyesight would have been really bad. And if you read this story further, Goliath had to be led out to his posture, posturing point where he was, you know, verbally assaulting the army of the Israelites. And, and so what's interesting is David, since his youth had been fighting battles against lions and bears to protect his sheep. Yeah. You know, he had fought bigger giants than this tall man who technically probably had some downsides. Wow. And here's Saul. We know he was a big man. We know he actually technically should have been fighting himself. Right. You he always, was the king. He was the king. You always put your biggest warrior out there. Right. He was a very large man, but he stood back. He stood back, and I believe that part of that was pride. Wow. I believe that pride held him back because he knew that, that if, if he got out there and was embarrassed, he might not recover. He might not recover from that. And so he says these words to David, you're not able to go against him. You're only wow. a young boy. You're only a young boy. 
Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly what comparison does, does you know, with, with that. I mean, I, I, it's so interesting what he said, how you're not able and you're, you're only. And I think also part of what Saul was doing is, is compared to himself. Right. David couldn't because he was this little shepherd boy. You know, and and we know Saul. I mean, he was a good-looking guy. He was tall. You know, probably fit, had a six-pack, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and in that comparison trap, it, it led to to pride, which is just a really unhealthy state to be in. You know, and the second thing that I think comparison will do, if we dive into the story a little bit more, is that comparison leads to jealousy. It'll either lead to pride or it'll lead to jealousy, because if if we jump in. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 18, in verse 6, the context for this, this is right after David, he's gone out, he defeated Goliath. He now, he is the man. Like he's a yeah. rock star. Like Jimmy Fallon, Oprah, David Letterman, they all want to interview him. I mean, he is the guy. <laughs> and if we, if we look in the scripture, again, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 6, it says this. It says that when the men were returning home, After David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and and were singing and dancing with joyful songs, timbrels, lyres. I don't even know what a lyre is, but they had all the instruments. (laughs) And verse 7 says that as they danced, they sang this song. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And verse 8 says, Saul was very angry when he heard this. It greatly displeased him. Mm -hmm. And he said, they have credited David with tens of thousands. He thought, but me? Only thousands? What more can he have but the entire kingdom? And verse 9 is where it all goes downhill. It says, and from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Another version of the Bible says Saul kept a jealous eye on David. What happened was Saul began to look at who was beside him and got his gaze off of the God that was in front of him. And what that created in him was this, but me mindset, this, but me, he he was, but me, what about, what about me? What, What, but me. And that is what comparison will consistently do it will lead to this but me, what about me mindset. And, you know, if Saul hadn't let comparison creep in, he would have actually been able to see that they were both on the same team. They were both accomplishing the same mission. With this Goliath being dead and the Philistines being conquered, that was a win for their entire people, for the entire children of Israel. Right. But this this lens of comparison, this but me, what about me, comparison mindset, you know, it, it stopped him from realizing that that they were on the same team, that the kingdom of God was expanding, that it was actually a win for both of them. And so when comparison creeps in, I, I think it's critically important that we identify where that comparison is coming from. Right. Where did it come from? Where where is that where is that coming from? And I think it comes from two places. If we look Back at that scripture 
It says that it was the women that were singing the song. It was an external source. He was listening to what other people were saying about him instead of what God was speaking to him. Right. And this in turn caused this internal dialogue inside of him. And so he allowed the external voices of other people to become his internal dialogue about himself. And that is when disaster struck. That's right. And you know, it's almost as if he fixated on that. Yeah. If you see from that moment on, the man is losing his mind. Yeah, truly. He's if you losing keep going his on. Mind. And, and that is what happens when we really fixate on comparing ourselves to somebody else or what's happening in someone else's life or even the good things that are happening to other people that perhaps our life is not in a season of. Right. You know, that is something I've learned so heavily in my life is the ability to to really celebrate when someone else has something good happening. And perhaps you don't, but you celebrate them. I don't think anything pleases the Lord as much as that because you really are taking your eyes off of yourself, your own situation. And it's such a maturing, freeing thing to get to that point. It is not easy though, (laughs) is it? No, no, it's not. And I love what you said. You know, and I think this story, one of the questions that it really brought out for me was, how am I responding to somebody else's miracle? Yeah, right. Can God trust me with elevating other people? Right, right. You know, it, there's there's this great scripture, Hebrews 12, 2. I love what it says. It says, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author mm-hmm and perfecter of our faith. You know what? There is a race set before us. There's one set before you, Carla, one set before me, one set before every one of our precious listeners. There's one set for every one of us. But listen, if we try to run the race of someone else, we will literally fall apart. We will not run a good race. We will stumble, we will fall, we'll be distracted, we'll be looking all over the place. We won't win nothing. We will literally destroy what's meant for us and what God has for us. And I will tell you, there was a time, um, <laughs> this was this was interesting to me. Remember I mentioned yeah. being compared to other authors. There was a time I went to a big event and, you know, I, I, I do a lot of speaking myself, but I went to this big event where one of those very authors was speaking that I had previously been compared wow. to by, you know, the publishing house. And I sat listening to her and tears were streaming down my face. And there was a moment where I was tempted to almost feel kind of jealous, like, Oh, she's living the life I really wanted to have, you know? Yeah. But instead, I started praising God. I started praying for her. I started praising everything he had done for her and through her and in her. It was such a freedom to do that. It was such a freedom. And it was shortly after that that I had this moment. I was in my car, sitting outside the grocery store, (laughs) and still sort of, to be honest, beating myself up, feeling just still a titch like a failure. Um, in the writing world, and I had this image of myself running in a lane, and I was running, I guess, around a track, and you know what? I was not the fastest runner. I'm just going to say that right now. It was not I'm not a fast runner, so. <laughs> That's right. It was not pretty, but I was consistent, 
And as I kept running, and my form may not have been perfect, but as I was running and doing my best running in this little image in my head, I looked over to the sideline, and there on the sideline was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wow. And they were cheering me like crazy. They were cheering me wildly. Wow. And they were just like, go, Gary, go, Gary, go. We're so proud of you. And as I'm running, you know, they're running along uh, alongside with me on the sideline. And in this little image in my head, I felt the greatest joy because I realized that the Father, the Son, and the Holy <laughs> Spirit are so proud of us when wow. we run in our lane. But if we're looking backwards at somebody perhaps we're ahead of, then what? We're prideful that we're ahead of them. Or if we're looking at other lanes thinking that we're not quite as far as someone else and then insecurity sets in. Right. You know, neither of those are healthy. But if our eyes are on running straight in our lane, and what does the Bible says? Fix our eyes on Jesus. You know what? He's at the finish line. Right. He's at the finish line. And not only that, that's never really... That's never really pumped me up. I've heard preachers, <laughs> pastors saying that. I'm like, yeah, but how am I going to get to the get finish there, line? Right. But picture that they're running alongside you, wow. cheering for you. And that is powerful. That just crushes comparison. Man, yeah, I love that visual of, of being on a racetrack and, and of running the race of life. Yeah. You know, and maybe you're listening today and, and maybe you're you've gotten caught in the comparison trap. Maybe the comparison killer ha- has got you. And maybe, you know, whether it's in your personal life or at your job, you've kind of let pride sink in. You've, you've thought to yourself, man, I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm pretty great. I, thank God I'm not like so-and-so. Or maybe on the flip side of that, you've, you've allowed jealousy to creep in and you wish you had what they had. You wish you had the life or the marriage or the job that they had. And, and you're, you're envious. You've allowed jealousy to creep in. You know, wherever you're at, I think the question we have to ask ourselves today is, is how do we overcome? Right. How do we overcome this comparison? Right. And it's funny. I asked somebody that I knew a while back, a leader that I really look up to. And <laughs> I said, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten and that you could give me? And they looked at me dead serious and they said, do you, boo-boo, do you. (laughs) That's great. And at first I was a little confused, but I I understand what they were saying. What they were saying was, you have to run in your lane. You have to do you. Right. You know, you have to run in your lane. And, And what does that mean, running in your lane? It means that you are so captivated by purpose that you can't be distracted by comparison. You know, and if you if you ask any any runner, I had a lot of friends that ran track and field in, in high school and in college, and if you ask any runner, professional runner, hey, what's the quickest way to lose a race? They'll tell you to look anywhere but ahead. And so we're all running this race of life. And if you're looking to the right or to the left, who's behind you, who seems like they're in front of you, then your eyes are anywhere but on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, like you said in Hebrews 12. And really, where you look determines where you step. So keep your eyes on Jesus. And I'll just challenge you today, you know, what are you looking at? Right. Or or rather, who are you looking to in this race of life? And you know, you said it so well about, I love the whole notion of running in your lane. And that is one thing I think we just want to really just emphasize, run in your lane. But another thing is this, and this is just going to sound kind of brutal, <laughs> but I'm telling you, it works. 
And it is simply this honor, even when you don't feel like it. Honor somebody else, even when you don't feel like it. Wow. This is the most mature, gutsy thing we can do as believers. And I'm telling you, it leaves the biggest impact. You know, back to David. You know what I love so much about David is that even in the midst of this trauma with Saul, and it must have felt like trauma because Saul loved him and then hated him. Right. And then Saul not only hated him, but pursued him to death. Yeah. And there were so many times David could have killed Saul or slain him or spoke poorly of him or harmed him. But you know what? David had a lot of men watching him and David refused to go down that path even to Saul's death which did not come by the hand of David, even to Saul's death, he honored him in his words and his actions. That speaks so deeply to me. You know, I remember, you know, I always have crazy stories, girl. (laughs) But there was this this time when Bobby played shortstop for the New York Yankees, and they brought in a a new guy, basically, to take, take Bobby's job at shortstop. And you know, that's the thing about being in the big leagues. You're never, you're never, peaceful there. I mean, you're always looking behind your shoulder. Who's coming in to take over my job? They brought in a new guy to take his job because they, I guess, just didn't feel like he was doing it. And there were a few days when I heard this new player was coming, when I just fretted and I I wondered what it meant for us. How am I going to handle this? I don't want to see this wife in the wives room or have to see her in the stands and know her husband taking my husband's job. You know what I did? Mm. I went full-blown into a love cycle with this woman. I'm going to kill her with kindness. I'm going to kill her with love. And (laughs) I tell you, she was pregnant. She was scared to be in New York. She had a little toddler also. And so when the men went, when the team went on the road, I invited her to stay at my home. Wow. And we became such close, great friends. And in that moment, did I feel like that? No. No. I was nervous for my husband's job. I was nervous for what it meant for us. But because I was able to move out and actually honor, even when I didn't feel like it, I saw such a great reward. And we even see their children who play in in the pros now. Their wow. sons play have played in the pros, and Bobby and I have seen them since then, and they still tell that story. Yeah. And you know, there's something so powerful about that, being able to honor, even when we don't feel like it. Yeah. So friends, honestly, if you can run in your lane and yeah. honor when you don't feel like it, you can crush comparison. That's so, so good. I love what you said about honoring even when you don't feel like it. And the Lord really dealt with me a while back. Just I was struggling with, with comparison. And and I felt like the Lord just spoke to spoke to my heart because I was trying to do this. I was trying to love this, this woman that I was comparing myself to. And I, I was trying to honor her to her face. But I would still, in conversations with other people about this this woman, say things that really weren't genuinely honoring. And, and the Lord just spoke to many and he said, it's great that you honor her to her face, but I want you to honor her behind her back. Wow. Yeah. And honoring behind somebody's back is just as important as honoring them to their face. That's right. And so... We just want to challenge you today. We know it it is hard. The comparison killer is real. The comparison trap is real. But just be encouraged today. Remember to run in your lane. Honor. Make a conscious decision to honor 
even when you don't feel like it. And remember who God created you to be. That's right. Not him, not her, but you. Keep your eyes on him and you will finish your race. That's right. We love you. We believe in you. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. And we can't wait to see you next episode. Well, that's it for today. We'll see you next time. Don't forget to catch the latest episodes every other Tuesday on your favorite platform. That's right. And if you were encouraged by today's episode, we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to the Betsy Faith Podcast on whatever platform you're listening from. You can also keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Betsy Faith Podcast and on Twitter at Betsy Faith Pod. Be sure to share this episode with a friend and stay connected with us on our website, gutsyfaithpodcast.com. That's right. We love you and we believe in you. And remember, this week, go deeper and live braver. Yeah. See you next time. See you next time.